Welcome to Unbreakable Spirit, stories of inspiring and thriving with Jennifer Seven, co-author of a book that is part of the Sisterhood Folios, a number one international bestseller. This is a podcast about real women who've overcome tremendous obstacles and come out on the other side to thrive. Whether their hardships were financial, relational, or health, these women dug deep and found the light out of the dark to rise from the ashes, to find the ability to forgive, to love, and to live an authentic, joyful life. Now, here is your host, Jennifer Seven. I am super excited today to have my guest, Lisa Garachi Rigoni. And let me tell you a little bit about Lisa, because I'm super excited to have her here. She is the owner and she's a CDO. And if you don't know what that is, let me share that with you. She is a chief declutter officer, very cool, of the organizing mentors. Lisa has been helping her clients reclaim their space mentally and physically for more than a decade. Let me tell you a little bit about the organizing mentors. They service the Northern Virginia, D.C. metropolitan area with quite a variety of services, including home organization, sorting, purging, estate cleanout, right sizing. It'll be interesting to talk about that. Selling and donating, aging in place, and relocation support. I've known Lisa for quite some time, and it's been really interesting to hear some of her stories with some of her clients. And hopefully we'll touch on some of that today. But they have included virtual organizing to their list of services and can now work worldwide. And I love that because of the environment and the world that we're in right now with COVID, that we don't have to stop organizing and decluttering just because we can't leave the house. (laughs) So Lisa can guide us through that. The organizing mentors hold the esteemed credential as senior and specialty move manager by the National Association of Senior and Specialty Move Managers. Beyond organizing space, Lisa and her team mentors empower their clients to implement best services and inspire confidence to make positive choices that enrich their lives and set them free from the habits that have kept their minds and spaces cluttered. And she's also a much sought after speaker, mentor, and author, which makes me even more excited that she's here with me today to chat. And going with the theme of this podcast, which is to talk about the trials and tribulations and obstacles that women have gone through, I have Lisa here to share her story and some of the obstacles that she's been through, but also that's brought her to where she is today, a very successful owner of a very successful business. So welcome, Lisa. Super happy to have you here. Oh, Jennifer, I'm so excited. I really am. I was thrilled when you asked me and of course said yes. Yeah. I'm very excited about your podcast, getting getting started on your podcast and all that. Yeah. You you have a lot to share with people. Yes. There are so many stories and Mm -hmm. this podcast is really dedicated to sharing what women in particular have gone through and how they get through it and get to the other side so that they can thrive. Because I know that so many of us have things that we really do go through and and oftentimes we don't talk about them. We don't share that. And all you see is the perfect image on the outside, but you Mm. don't know what got someone there. 
So Lisa, let's let's kind of jump in and let's hear a little bit more about your story and your journey. Well, the thing that that I think is that comes rings true like first when you when you asked about that and how it relates to my business is you know, we all have our stories, we all have our moments in life that are challenging and I've had a bunch of them, you know, I'm 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 getting up there in age, so I, you know, we have we have stories, we have our things, but I think the most pertinent to to your the theme of your talks and what's really brought me to my business and why I think I'm pretty darn good at it is that when I found out I found it when I was 40 we had gone through to try to get pregnant again we had gone through two rounds of IVF and didn't get pregnant it was unsuccessful I already have I had a daughter she's 18 now and we went through two rounds of IVF and after that of course, I was grieving and I was mourning and, you know, all of the emotions that you don't, you're not even aware of um, when you can't get pregnant or, you know, just having trust in my body as a woman, like, why can't my body do this? Like, there were so many layers of it. But what, after you know, I, I sought out a therapist for grief counseling and, you know, and all that. And, and I, you know, I kept working with them going, I just don't feel like myself. Like, there's something like I'm pretty aware of my body and it, I just didn't feel right. You know, I felt disconnected and not focused and um, just way out there, just way and, out there. And, and is that because that you think because you could get pregnant before, but now you couldn't get pregnant? And, and I don't you... think it had anything to do with the pregnancy. And this is just my, okay. my thought on it was I, I believe, and you know, I've done my research on IVF and um, Clomid and what it does to you. And it's, there's, it's great medicine. I'm not putting that, I'm not putting that down. It mm-hmm. gets, you know, it gets people what they need. I think it affected me in some strange way, but what I found out, cause he, he connected me with a uh, therapist, with a um, psychiatrist. And when we went back in because I really, I really thought I was going crazy, even more crazy than I already thought I was. So, so um, who, con- who connected you with a psychiatrist? Your therapist, my, the grief counselor. Oh, okay. Because we're like, he's like, I think you're bipolar. I'm like, I'm not bipolar. Like, I don't have those huge emotions. I just feel like something's not right. I can't mm-hmm. focus. And you know, my goal every night was: is my daughter alive, and is the house not burned down? Like I just that, like I that had, was as best you could that's do. All I could do, yeah. Did she that get sounds, fed? Did she, sounds like survival. You were just it surviving. Was, it was. And um, when we when we did a little bit more, I went to a psychiatrist. You know, I'm like I'm like not bipolar. Like, huh? I'm, I'm not. And he handed me a book, and it was, um, "You mean I'm not lazy, stupid, or crazy?" Hmm. And I literally, and I, I do this talk a lot about, you know, about finding this out about myself. It was a book on ADD. Okay. And I started crying right there when he gave me the book, because I realized at age 40, that those were the three words I used to describe myself pretty much my whole life. Oh, wow. Yeah. I thought I was either lazy. I can't get something done or I'm crazy. I can't, why can't I think this through, you know, or, or, or you're not smart or I'm not smart enough. I was that person who had to read the page over and over again because I couldn't comprehend, like I couldn't comprehend it. So that's what I grew up with. So he said, go to on Dr. Amon's website, take, take this test. Well, found out I had ADD. So my whole life I had ADD. And I believe, and I don't know if this is a medical thing, but 
I think the hormones, the grief, the whatever stirred up in me affected me. And this came out. But what I found, and long story short, it could be longer, of course, but long story short was I found I used to organize to calm myself when I was younger. Oh, so when I was, I couldn't focus. I couldn't like, I'm just going to go in my room and organize my pets. That was your coping, your coping coping mechanism. And it calmed me down and it gave me focus. So there's so many versions of ADD, right? It's like autism or any kind of mental, you know, mental illness or struggle that people have. There's so many facets. So I can get uber focused. You know, mm-hmm. my ADD is not attention deficit. It's like I can't, you know, I'm in stratosphere somewhere. I can get uber focused. And that's one of those, you know, things about ADD. So when I realized that, and then I started my organizing business about 13 years ago. So that's, that's 15 years ago, right? I, I, I was like, well, this is what I want to give to my clients is, is calm when they're organizing. And it's evolved. The name of my business, I think probably when I first met you was Leave It to Lisa. Now it's the yes. organizing mentors because I found that I'm mentoring my clients. I've gone through a lot of what they've gone through. And my tagline is reclaim your space mentally and physically because that's what I needed. You know, I needed the, the mental organization. So when my physical space is cluttered and most of my clients feel the same way, our mental state is just off the chart. Like you can't even mm-hmm. think. So that's been kind of my superpower now is my ADD is finding out I have that. Oh gosh. So, I love that, that yeah, we can so take something that potentially has such negative mm-hmm. ramifications or per- perceptions and turn it into a superpower. I think that's yeah. Yeah. Phenomenal. So let's go back for a moment to the infertility. So, so how long mm-hmm. were you trying to get pregnant? So I, we, we struggled getting pregnant with my first, not with my daughter. I didn't, I didn't get married till I was 33 or 34. Um, <laughs> yeah, who's 30, counting? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it was later in life, but I just thought as a woman, like you just, Sorry, get pregnant. Yeah. get pregnant. Yeah. You just get pregnant. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't realize there was a science behind it and there had, had to be a certain time and blah, blah, blah. Um, well, because for so we, many, it is just about sex. Yeah, exactly. And, and people were, were all like, oh, I didn't not even know I was pregnant. Right. right. I, so I was like, oh, okay, that's just easy, right? You get married, mm-hmm. you get pregnant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, little did I know. And we sought out a fertility doctor in Chicago. And, for for um, your daughter, for the first pregnancy? To get pregnant, yeah. Okay. And basically, I I was lacking progesterone. So my okay. body, I've found through the years, does not absorb hormones and vitamins. So I have to do a lot of extra work to keep myself healthy. Just something my body just, it, it, I, I, caffeine affects me, you know, just in crazy ways. Okay. I don't do good with medicine. Mm-hmm. And so they did that. I started a appointment or, you know, I don't know what it was. Just cream, kind probably, of thing, yeah. cream. Yeah. And got pregnant and thought we lost her about a month in. Thank goodness. She was hanging on right at the top. So she stayed. And then I figured, okay, great. I'm pregnant now. Okay. Year That's in, good. whatever it was, mm-hmm. let's try again. Mm-hmm. And no, no, no. So then we, we were in Virginia at the time, by that time, and went to a fertility doctor. I call them fertility doctors. I know they're called infertility, but, you know, I like to say the positive side of yes. it. Yes. So we went through two rounds. Of so IVF. so what was the time period between 
when you had your daughter and then you started again? So I had her at 37, November 30, uh, November when I was 37, my birthday is in April. So 37 and a half when the second round of IVF, I don't know what month it was, but it, I mean, everything was fine. My husband was fine. I had so many eggs, like they gave me so much, you know, to produce so many eggs, but we it didn't, it didn't stick literally. (laughs) And, and that was when I was 40. So probably two and a half years we tried. So really that's the only, the doctor was like, you're 40. That's the only there's, and, and, you know, it wasn't meant to be that sort of thing. So, so two it, and a half years. It it even took you several years to get pregnant with your daughter. Mm. It took us um, probably a year. Well, year. okay. So we got pregnant on our second wedding anniversary. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's not too bad. Yeah. Not too bad. Yeah. Because we knew because we were with the doctor and she's like, okay, you have to have sex this weekend. And it was our <laughs> anniversary weekend. Let me set the time and then <laughs> yeah, put it no, on the exactly. calendar. Exactly. Hey, but anniversary, it, 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 that's perfect. Yeah. So we actually know her, her moment of conception. It, it's it's so funny that you're sharing this because, uh, you know, I went through my own fertility mm. and fertility yeah. struggles and, and I actually was able to get pregnant, but I couldn't seem to keep the pregnancy. And it, it was oh. a similar thing that I wasn't producing enough progesterone in the second half mm. of my cycle to sustain the pregnancy and went through all of that. And oh. at the time, you know, your heart so badly wants oh, baby and you go through a lot. And I, I ended up having what they call the luteal phase defect, which just mm. meant that my body didn't produce enough progesterone in the second part of the or after I conceived, okay, it just didn't, okay. wasn't enough. And, and I was really blessed. I was living in Arizona at the time and I got hooked up with a really awesome husband and wife. She was the OBGYN and he was the infertility guy. Mm. And she got me in to see him. And there was a treatment at the time. It wasn't IVF, but it was just almost IVF. It's where mm-hmm. I had the injections mm-hmm. and, uh, they monitored your eggs and you knew exactly right. when you were going to ovulate. And then they gave you a shot for that. And then it was like, okay, this oh, is your window. <laughs> yes. Uh, so I pretty much could put that on the calendar exactly when my children were conceived. And I yes, was, I was crazy? blessed. Right. I was blessed to be able to do that three times, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's really something when you're going through that. And there, yeah. so there is so much grief that we experience oh, when yeah, we're so going many layers. That. So many many layers layers. of challenge and you don't even realize it. I was letting my daughter down. I was letting my husband down. My body was Mm -hmm. letting my family down. I had moments and you'll love this. You'll really love this that I haven't shared with a lot of people though. I, um, cause so I had one child and I was driving in a, in a cab, my daughter and I were going to the airport and she was probably four at the time. And it was, um, a person I knew who was driving me to the airport. And when are you going to have your second child? When are you oh, going to have your boy. second child? Mm. And I said, well, you know what? And I didn't want to get into it. And I said, Marina's enough. This is good. And he, he basically for 20 minutes berated me about oh, being selfish no. and a horrible mom that I wouldn't give mm. my daughter another child. Oh dear. And I just, and my daughter was sitting there at the time. And of course they, he doesn't know and she doesn't know, right? And I'm not going to say, like, I don't right? know. You. I don't, I don't, you don't, <laughs> none need of your to business. <laughs> you know, I almost should have, but then mm-hmm. I was like, well, that's just mean. That's, I don't need to bring that. I think I was just so shocked 
What a sense of entitlement from him. And it was a man. Or assuming. Assuming. Maybe I just want one child. Maybe I, why myself? I mean, it was, but it, that affected me. I can't imagine that. Oh my God. Yeah. And then we looked into adopting and I said, I just, I have to be okay with this. Mm -hmm. I just have to be okay with what the world, the universe, God, what it has Mm -hmm. given me. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking that my family wasn't enough. And I remember sitting, I'm going to cry. I remember sitting on the floor when I realized this and I, and my daughter came up to me and we were just playing the three of us, mommy crying, mommy crying. And I was probably, she was, she was 40. So she was two and a half years old, three, you know, still young, mommy crying, mommy crying. And I realized at that moment, I realized this is enough. This is my family. I don't have to make excuses. I don't have to, this is it. And I remember just crying tears of like joy because, and and, and of course there's still moments that I don't feel that, but it was that moment that this is it. This is my family. You know, I mean, I look back now and she's 18 and with my parents both passed, I have three brothers and they, we talk about stories that I've forgotten about something that's happened. And that's one of those things that I think my daughter will only have her memories. Yes. She won't have memories with the rest of with her siblings to say, Oh God, I remember that. I, you know, that's my, that's my one. That's her heartache. That's, that's her heartache. My heartache. Yeah. I, yeah. I get that because my mom passed a couple years ago and, and my dad has dementia. So yeah. uh, the memories are, many of them are gone. And I've been realizing that over this past year or so that it's all this, you know, the siblings are the only ones that know some of these memories or maybe they don't even know, remember right. the memories that I remember. Yeah. And it, it is, it's a, it is a grief there. It yeah. is sad and once, there. once Jean and I are gone, then it's just her. Yeah. And um, she has great cousins, but it's still, it's not. It's, it's not interesting when you begin to think about that, because you don't think about that until something comes up like you yeah. losing your parents and then realizing right. that right. it's the siblings that carry on those memories. Mm. But, but what a beautiful moment that you were actually able to mm. look at your family and, and, and have the gratitude that the blessing, seeing the blessing instead of seeing the loss that you were right. able to realize that. I mean, I think that's pretty powerful. That That's yeah. a pretty powerful moment. It was, I can still feel it. Like I can feel it in my body. Because <laughs> it was. It was pretty, yeah. it was pretty wonderful. Yeah. So, and then she, you know, she'd be like, why can't I have a brother? Why don't I have a brother? And she'd go to friends' houses. And it's so funny because the world, it's, it's just so extraordinary, right? She'd go to friends' house. I want to go to my friend's house that have like, we had a neighbor that had like four, four siblings and she'd come home. And she was exhausted because she wasn't <laughs> used to like being with all these kids and she'd want to be there just to be with everybody. And then She'd have friends over and she's like, mommy, can they go home? <laughs> I'm exhausted. <laughs> I'm exhausted. Yeah. And I don't want them to play with my stuff. You know, it's like oh, everything was hers. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so, That's interesting. Kind of funny. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. But, so, and everything, you know, it always works out. It's the way it's supposed to be. Yeah, she doesn't what? know what she doesn't know. I mm-hmm. just know what I think she's missing, but mm-hmm. she's not missing it because she doesn't know it. And I, that was a big revelation for me, too. And, and how did you? 
I know she was very young there, but how did you mm-hmm. tell her why there were no siblings or what did you tell her? Um, golly, I don't think I told her till later, but I think I remember, I remember saying something, I don't know how old she was, but I think, gosh, I don't, I don't know exactly, but I think in my head, there's a memory of me saying we tried or something like that. God, I don't, I have this really weird foggy memory now that you've mm-hmm. asked me that, but I don't remember. I can't follow it through. Right. So no, I'm, I'm sure we told her yeah. when she was older, we definitely did. And she knows the whole, she knows that whole story I told mm-hmm. you about trying to get pregnant yeah. now. And I probably told her when she was 10, 12, something mm-hmm. like that. But I think we said something like that earlier because mm-hmm. I am not one to hold things from her. You know, mm-hmm. I probably tell her a little bit too much about life, but I want her to not be in the dark about things too. Yeah. And it wasn't I mean, that obviously mommy, I'm not going to tell her. Yeah. It wasn't that mommy didn't want to have no, 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 yeah, no, she, no, but, no. Yeah. So trying to figure Definitely out how to share not. that without it being. But she never, like in my head, like in my heart, I don't feel like she ever was like mad at me or it wasn't mm-hmm. some, I don't get that feel you know that sense now that I think about it because you know what those two years those two and a half years are really kind of a blur mm-hmm. when I think about it and we were just concentrating so much on making a baby and getting pregnant I mean it was like we were on a regiment you know I stuck the thing in my stomach ongoing yeah. it was just yeah it is it. because it's a huge yeah. commitment and it's a huge right. financial commitment and, oh god <laughs> uh, yeah you have yeah. you have to really be Mm-hmm. All in, all in, and I, right, I know, right. and then the emotional roller coaster oh, of it. <laughs> of it's time to make the baby, and then it's time mm-hmm. to see if I did make a baby, and then oh yeah, de- we're on every two weeks. Oh, every two weeks, got to, it was horrible. And you know, I remember a moment when it was probably at least a year and a half after when I was forty that I realized, oh my god, I didn't, I wasn't on the two two week clock. Like I had gotten my period and it wasn't like two weeks later. Oh, I'm ovulating. Let's have sex. Yes. <laughs> and I remember going, oh, oh, my God, I went a whole month without thinking that. And that was like a that was a huge was a little bit liberating. That, it was. It was. Yes. Yeah. Like and it was all, again, like, OK, everything's all right. Everything's as it's mm-hmm. supposed to. OK, know? so the so the two and a half years goes by or with the two cy- cycles of IVF go by and yeah. then you have to make the decision. We're not going to continue. So that must have been really difficult or or were yeah, you was, ready were you ready to stop um well financially we couldn't do it oh, um, so emotionally we couldn't do it we were just going to do one and then I said to my husband we, gotta do, we have to do one more my mom mm-hmm. and dad wanted to pay you know and we're like okay let's just do it and my husband I think he knew how taxing it was just mm-hmm. on every aspect of our life but we tried it and I, and after that, I was so exhausted and every mentally, physically, emotionally, financially just done. And I was like, okay, we're going to, we're going to look into Catholic adoption, whatever. Da, da. Mm-hmm. And then that turned into be just being exhausting too. And like, but we have to have another child. Like it was like, right. and then I don't know what moment it was just maybe after I started seeing the therapist or psychiatrist or something that I just said this is too much just accept just accept so uh, about how long after your second attempt 
before you started seeing the therapist and, and the therapist was for the grief, right? At that point, were you, were you feeling this disconnection at that point or? Probably. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you're seeing this therapist specifically for grief. It was specifically Mm -hmm. for that or for the the loss? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Loss Mm -hmm. and just probably, I just needed to talk to somebody. Mm -hmm. You know, I reached out to my girlfriends and I said, does anyone know anybody? Okay, so you yeah. went into therapy, and yeah. I am sure that began to help you heal. Oh, gosh, but, yeah. But you're still feeling something's not right. Yep, yep. And and so tell me that again. How did you get from the therapist to the psychiatrist? The therapist said, uh, therapist said, yeah, I think, you know. For medication, bit... probably? Or... Yeah, yeah. Okay. And that's when I that's when I found out I had ADD, ADD and I went on Adderall. And that helped, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just acknowledging and reading that book, which, <laughs> believe it or not, I never made it through the book because <laughs> of my ADD. I'm like, no, I got it. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> which is hilarious, right? Um, and then just kind of accepting, like, okay, this makes sense. And going back in my life and seeing all the places where, oh, I'm so stupid, I can't get through this, or failing, or you know not getting good grades and just thinking, oh, I'm stupid. I can't, I can't do this. You know, Um, that's just heartbreaking. Oh, yeah, it was, it was, it was devastating, but it also taught me what I did do and what I, what the tools that I created and the ways of coping that I used. And of course I've coped in many a wrong way, eating, drinking, partying, buying too much, you know, being too busy, all of the above, right? Self-medicating. Right. Exactly. Um, and meditating and yoga and working out, you know, yes, you were trying everything. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I think I've, you know, had little moments of all of them throughout my life, but you have to find those to, to figure out what, what works. My, my biggest thing, which I try to instill in my daughter and myself is find what works for you. Mm-hmm. No matter what anybody thinks you should try or do or find what works for you. Yes. I think that's really important. And I, I'm, really thinking about that moment when you realized you were ADD. And I imagine that must have just been such a relief. Like, oh, well, first I said, there's no way. Okay. Because my this limited is not belief, it's uh-huh. not me, my limited belief or, or theory or thoughts or education on someone with ADD was someone who can't function. Okay. I thought of it almost as like, you're just stuck. I actually write, I, so we'll get to my book later. I know okay. but I actually write this part in my book. Like my limited, limited belief was someone who can't function, who can't hold a job, who can't be, who can, you know, can't do it. But what I realized was there's so many different layers of it mm-hmm. that, you know, cause at that time I had, I had had a career in theater for 15 years. I had a personal training fitness business in Chicago for 15 years, whatever that was. So I was successful. Like I did things. So when he said, you have 80s, it's like, there's no way. But I did more research and realized, oh yeah, you can function, you know, Mm -hmm. just like any other disease or, or neurological, whatever challenge you have, you can, because you need to, you need to, right? I needed to, I needed to yes. figure out a way to, to function and, and live. But I think um, sometimes when you're ADD or ADHD and you're not having medication to help you, it just makes mm. everything so much harder, right? Oh, everything yeah. is harder. Really it is. Hard. It and, is. and that's what I think twice about. Twice as hard as oh, anybody gosh, else. Oh gosh, yeah. Well, and you don't know. So yes, there was relief going, oh, well, that makes sense now. 
Mm-hmm. That makes sense why I couldn't focus and I couldn't. And I get so mad when I was younger. I mean, my brothers, I'm sure have stories that I would, I couldn't communicate or I was in a, you know, a, a frenzy or whatever you talk, you know, you think about when you can't function or there's too much stimulus, mm-hmm. you know, when there's too much going on. I mean, I, I talk about it in my book also, like we, I had th- grew up with three brothers. There was always chaos in my house. So no always. sisters, just brothers. No sisters, but even <laughs> like four kids, there's just always stuff going on. And when it got to be too much for me, I didn't know how to how to react and I didn't know how to cope. So I'd either scream and run down the hall or scream at someone or you know, punch a pillow or go and organize, which is what I found. You know, so you need some some outlet. So when I found that out, it's like, oh. I wish I knew when I was 12 years old that I had ADD. But back in the 60s, whenever when that was, I was They 40, didn't even 60, know what 60, it was. 70s. Right. No, you're you just, were just a discipline just a problem. Yes. Yeah. Or you're. And, but, I, but I didn't have a discipline, which is really weird. All the report cards, like we found them all in my mom's house, clearing things out. Lisa's such a delight. She's always smiling. She's always happy. She had C's and D's and, you know, some B's. But always a delight to be around. Like I never. It doesn't sound like I had problems at school, like mm-hmm. in school. I just had a problem in my head and also concentrating. Yes. So maybe that's what it was. But um, yeah, I mean, you just figure out ways to cope. So I don't know which direction to go into next. I want to talk about <laughs> your book and I want to talk about your business. Mm. Since you mentioned your book, let's talk about that yeah. a little bit. Let's talk about this book that you're writing. Oh, goodness. Okay. so. Last January, well, during COVID, actually the end of 2020, I have, so Leave It to Lisa, the name of my, my, my company used to be Leave It to Lisa. And so that's L-I-T-L. So when I was creating or training people to work for me or doing talks, I created the little system, L-I-T-L. Mm-hmm. And it's really two steps on how to let go and how to organize. So the first L is let it go. So what do you know you don't want? Just look around your room. What do you know you don't want? That's easy. It gets like it's immediate reaction. Get that out. Donate it. Sell it. You know, remove it from your house. I, the I is intentional. So that's the stuff that takes a little bit more time. Like, do I want that dress that I never wore that I spent a fortune on? Do I want the grandma's china? Like it takes some thought. Like you have to be intentional on your decisions. Um, T is transform, which are the, the, the next two steps are the outcome of taking the first two steps, which are not, you know, simple, not easy. Transform. So you've transformed your space. You've transformed your life. You've made decisions, right? And then L, the last L is love it and live it. So I was like, I got to write my workbook. Like I got to write this because I've been preaching it and talking about it and teaching it. And, you know, I have, I have it on my website. You can download it. Let me just get this book out. So I worked with a writer who was working with, who I'd worked with before on a couple of different projects and we wrote it. And then I was talking to my uh, marketing team, Loud and Clear Marketing, and Deb, Deb Haynes is, uh, had a friend who was starting a writing group. I was like, oh, I'll talk to her. I want to mm-hmm. talk to her so I could. I contacted them and I said, okay, I'd like to join. I'd like to join the group. I have this book already. Let's go. So when I was telling the group about the book, they're like, they asked me more questions about my business and this and that. And I started telling them stories about 
my clients and, you know, how it's difficult to let go of things and, you know, how we struggle. We all struggle with holding on and holding on to stuff and, Mm -hmm. and holding on to um, regrets or guilt or shame around things or, you know, and one of the women was like, that's your book, Lisa. (sighs) And I was like, wait, I already have a book. Like, (laughs) I just want to get this workbook out there and, you know, give it to people. Um, and they're like, no, write that first. So I sat down and I have a dragon, like a headset, because I type horribly. And and I just started talking to my dragon thing and it put it, everything on paper. And I had, and that was on my dad's birthday last year. So he would have been his 88th birthday, started writing. Uh-huh. And within a month, I think, or a month and a half, I had, I didn't write, I, I voiced to text mm-hmm. 47,000 words. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, they you, had were a, you had a lot to say. <laughs> and so's and, you know, it didn't really mm-hmm. make sense, but I was amazed at how many stories I had and how much growth I, how many things I held on to. And it was thera- therapeutic for me to write it and to think about my clients and, oh gosh, I hold on to that too. Or I've held this grudge or I've held. And so. So much I, more than just being about stuff. Oh, and so much more about stuff. So one of my favorite taglines that I created years ago was, and it takes a little thought to, to get this right, but listen, it's the stuff about your stuff isn't about your stuff. <laughs> so the stuff we make up, right? The stuff we make up isn't about our stuff. Like, oh, I can't, I can't get rid of that. That's that. It's not, that's not about the stuff. It's about our stuff, like why we hold on. So talking about that and getting it out, I, even I talked about my ADD and how, you know, you, you keep things and you use things because they serve a purpose. Once they don't serve a purpose, you have to get rid of them or they just hold you back. And so it's that that, very, very difficult. Uh, oh, my, yeah, oh, it's, it's not easy. No. I, and I've had to do a lot of letting go in the last seven years. So having yes. gone through a divorce and having to yep. leave my big house that was full of stuff, mm-hmm. <laughs> moving into a two bedroom apartment and getting a storage locker right. and then moving to a smaller two bedroom still had the storage locker then moving into a townhouse where unfortunately got more stuff but you know all along the way yeah letting go letting go choosing. and then choosing and finally cleared out the storage locker then then having a my brick and mortar office which mm-hmm. had to clear out june of 2020 covid oh my gosh clearing that out hey wow it's it is and it's not easy and for me now since my mom passed away, those are the difficult things. Mm-hmm. Oh, this was my mom's, or my mom gave me yeah, this. Yeah. So, oh gosh, it's really hard. And it is moving again. Now I've moved again, so getting rid of some stuff, and yeah. you know, and even some clothes. And this having the weight loss business that I have, you know, it's those clothes that you just know you're going to get back in one day. <laughs> right, right, right. Keep saying, I'm going to lose that 10 pounds and that yeah. dress is going to fit again. And how long has that dress been sitting there waiting for me? To- <laughs> mm-hmm. And <laughs> that's and here's, really hard. Here's the question you ask. And here's the question I asked my clients. Why are you holding on to it? Is it because you wish you hope that you're going to get that weight? Or do you think about that outfit and how you wore it and what you felt in it, how you mm-hmm. felt in it. 
right? So there are different questions you ask about why you're holding on to something. Usually when people lose weight, and you know this, I was in the fitness business. I've been up and down in weight. I've been all over the place. And right now I have a bunch of sizes because of COVID in my closet. (laughs) I've got those stretchy pants. Yeah, exactly. How many more sweatpants can I put in? But if you're, if you do lose that weight, you know, and not to put stress on you or stress if, but aren't you going to go out and buy a new pair of pants anyway to celebrate? And, or if you get into that heavier weight, I have heavy, I have pants in there that I was like, I hope I never fit again because they, I bought them because I was heavy, but there's another pair of pants that I bought because I was heavy and I felt really good in them. Mm -hmm. So I would rather keep the pants that are the same size, 12, 14, 16, whatever, 18 size that I felt good in and not the one that I was like, oh, I have to buy a bigger size. And these are the only thing of it. Like yeah. keep those, you know, uh-huh. and, and that's what we do. That's what the organizing mentors do. We don't care what our clients' houses look like when we get there. I mean, we care. I always say this. We always care, we care deeply. But mm-hmm. what we really care about is how you feel when we leave or in your space after we're done. That's the goal. Yeah. And we're in this interesting time now where we're all hunkered down at home. We're not going to offices. We're not going out to events. We're not going to network. I know. And so I've got these dresses and these work clothes and I'm like, am I ever going to wear these again? Right. Right. Am I? I I don't know. It's been two years now we're into COVID. So, and I think everything has gotten more casual. Definitely. In the world, you know, or the, or the, the long dresses for the the galas that we might've gone to. And it's like, am I ever going to another gala? Maybe, but maybe I'd buy a new dress. Like you said. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I have trouble. I have trouble getting rid of the clothes. That's, that's one of my, my difficulties. It is hard. And here's my theory with women on not necessarily clothes, but purses, shoes, and jewelry. Mm. So if we need a little, I don't retail therapy, right? If you, if you will, mm-hmm. you always go to sale rep. Mm-hmm. You find a deal, awesome. Then feel you know, so then much better when you find yeah, a deal. It's on sale. <laughs> or purses, shoes, and jewelry always fit. Uh huh. Yeah. Oh, that's so true. <laughs> <laughs> so we don't have to try if we don't like our upper body. We don't have to try on a top. We don't have to, you know, we don't like all our body. You don't have to put on another pair of jeans. Don't fit or fit too big or whatever. But purses, jewelry, shoes. Oh, and that was as I was moving this last time, going through all my jewelry, and it's like, mm. oh my god, my I have so much stuff. Yeah, and I'm like I don't have enough days in the rest of my life no. to wear this stuff. Right. So I, I did get rid of some of it, but it's really hard. And and I inherited some jewelry from my mom, and it's mm. beautiful. And I'm hoping you know to get to wear that, or at some point maybe I'll have it repurposed into yeah. Yeah. different designs, but. Yeah, that's tough. And then the other area that I really struggle with is now that my children are grown mm-hmm. and have left the nest, I've been pretty good about getting rid of like every piece of artwork they ever made. Okay, a lot of that's gone, but it's, there were certain baby things that mm-hmm. that I my my dream, my hope is that one day when they have children, that I can pass those things along. So I will say I've gotten it down to like one container for each. <laughs> And wow, it's not, it's you. not like, like it was, but that's taken yeah. a lot of letting go. And my, my daughter who's 30 now, and she's, she's living in Texas in a, in a, mm. a house. I've started just packing it up and mailing it to her. Mail it to her. Yeah. You deal with it. Christmas presents, birthday presents. Yeah. I always say that wrap, wrap things 
things up and give them to them. I know. And, and, we, and they have to deal with it. I know. And there, there are no grandchildren, you know, yet. And yeah, uh, some of those yeah. things I'm just like, oh, I want a grandbaby so I can pass this along. So I, I, I had one big moment where uh, we were big readers uh, mm. growing up. And then my mother, she bought books for my children just nonstop. And uh, my children, voracious readers. We had, I think we probably nice. had a hundred of those what are the little golden books? Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and just so many books. And I finally, it's like, okay, I am hoarding all these books mm-hmm. for my grandchildren one day. Yeah. And, and I read something or I can't remember, but it, it, it was an aha moment for me. It's like, that is stagnating. Those, those uh-huh. books, the energy of those books, they're just sitting there for 20 years, 25 yeah. years release them to someone yeah. who can enjoy them right. and, and when they have now. children I can always get more books yeah so I, I packed them all up I donated them to loud oh, literacy nice. and it nice. really felt yeah it felt yeah. really good a little bittersweet but at least of I course. was like yeah this is just it's just sitting here doing no one any good why not yeah. let those books help children that yeah don't have repurpose the love, books. repurpose, recycle the yeah. love. Yeah, no, yeah. So good. that was a big moment for me. That was because it is. Yeah, I can only imagine. I, I'm, I imagine you have quite, quite the stories, and you know, anywhere from hoarders, right? That's that's. Well, we don't necessarily work with hoarder. Like I draw the line, and I think it's. It, I I knew I couldn't work with severe hoarders because of okay. my ADD. Oh, okay. Because um, I, I can't, there's only so much to me. Like, I'm fine. Like, people even ask me all the time, like, how can you be in a house that's like cluttered? Because it's not my house. And uh-huh. I see, I see the the hope and the potential in the house. And mm-hmm. the clients reached out to me. So I have to be there. I If I get overwhelmed, and actually you read the, the story in the book about walking into this gentleman's house where I was overwhelmed. Like, how can I even begin to help? But you have to, I have to rechannel myself. Like I'm here for him. Mm-hmm. Take it all off of me and channel. Because you, know, you look around I and you said, oh, where do I start? You right? Where do I start? Which is a lot of my clients' houses. And, mm-hmm. and that's why I see that overwhelm in them too, because they're living it. Mm-hmm. You know? But so I draw the line. I would say feces and dead animals. Okay. I agree. <laughs> yeah. Agree. There's too much stimulus. Like if my all my senses are overwhelmed. I can't focus. And that's mm-hmm. just something I've learned with me and with myself. And even my, my I've seen uh, six organizers now, six employees, I call them my team mentors, mm-hmm. um, that are kind of the same. They're all mini me's. They get it. I always say we're a bunch of, it used, we used to be 50 year old women, 40, 50 year old women. Now we're, I have a 30 ish, you know, a couple 30 year olds. So 30 to 50 year old women who just get it. You know, we're just there for the client. We're a hundred percent focused on them no outcome. We, we don't care what the outcome is as long as they're happy. And, you know, we're just there for them. And just because we're the experts, I was just talking to a client today, a potential client this morning. And I said, just because we're the experts doesn't mean we're the expert in your home. So if we give you a suggestion and you're like, ah, I don't know, like be honest with us, you know, I'm giving you mm-hmm. permission to say, no, it's not going to work because it has to work for you. Come in as the second, third organizing company with some, some of my clients where everything looks perfect, but they can't find anything oh. or it doesn't make sense to them. Okay. You know, you can Marie Kondo, you can mm-hmm. whatever life or whatever those, all those techniques are. But if you can't find anything or if everything's just locked in a box somewhere labeled, is it helping you? Some people no. love to like, like that, but 
most of my clients just want to know where their stuff is and have their mental clarity, you know, make their space workable for them. Yeah. Because I know for me, uh, just having someone give me permission to get rid of something Mm -hmm. really Mm -hmm. helps because you're waffling and it's like, ah, but just needing that little bit of, or or like you said, just helping you think it through. Yes. Yeah. And keep it. If, if you want to keep that dress, if you want to keep those things from him, keep them. Let's mm-hmm. again, let it go. The first step in the little system, let it go. What are the things you know you don't want? Sometimes mm-hmm. we don't have to work any, any more than that. Just let it go. What are the things you know you don't want? Yes. Clears your path that gives you confidence because most people are like, I don't know. I don't know what I don't want. Yeah, you do. You do. Just you, you have to just say, Look on your bookshelf. Like you don't take all the books off your bookshelf. Like like my bookshelf behind me. Look around. Do you want that book? Yeah. Not one. Nope. Take it off. Mm-hmm. Empty your bookshelf. You know, just like creates more of a mess. But you know what you want. You know what you don't want. Once, but by the time someone calls me, they've exhausted their energy trying to do it themselves. They mm-hmm. work with another organizer. They've tried to work with their family and friends. They've given up. They finally called and researched an organizer. That's almost like my favorite moment when someone calls me because I know they've gone through all of that and they've said, I can't do this alone. It's like someone with weight loss, right? Same mm-hmm. with you. Yes. Like they've done it all themselves. They've tried. They've been on every diet. They've read every organizing book. They, mm-hmm. they can't do it alone and they need somebody. Yeah, I like I like that. So mentor, coach, that's really what you are. Exactly. Yeah. And I know for me it was it's it it wasn't something I could do all at once. When it was over time that certain things became less important. And I was Mm -hmm. like, okay, I don't need that anymore. Yeah. I I was and I think mostly hanging on to certain things for emotion that emotional connection. But then you can narrow that down and say, Well, I don't need twenty things to remember my mom by. Maybe I can get by with five. (laughs) Right. Right. She well, gonna know that I didn't keep about. that dish? No. <laughs> yeah, no. And you know what? Grandma and mom don't care. Yeah. They, they want you to feel relief. Mm-hmm. I had um my my nephew was in and and he spilled he broke something. It wasn't Christmas this year, last year. And he was so upset. He broke one of my wedding china things. Oh, Auntie Lisa, I'm so sorry. It's like, why? It's it's made to be used. If it's broken, it's broken. He spilled, he got red wine on my tablecloth. So what? Mm-hmm. My mom used to always say, we'll always know Christmas 2020 because of this game. Like, we <laughs> used it. We used it. It's okay. Yeah. You know, it's okay. you got to use the stuff. Grandma doesn't mind. Grandma oh, doesn't mind. I love that too, because my mother and I used to have this, it'd be like, why aren't we using our good china? Why aren't we using the crystal? What are we saving it for? The special yeah, occasions. Special that, occasion. And I'm like, okay, how old am I now? And how many times have I used this? It's like time yeah. to start using it. And you know what? If it, like you said, if it gets broken, it breaks, it breaks. so what? At least we yeah. enjoyed it. At least Made we enjoyed it. Yeah. And that's the other thing, having all that stuff that you, that we probably in our generation got all the wedding stuff and the crystal mm-hmm. and the china. As I was moving and trying to get rid of some of that stuff, nobody wants that stuff anymore. No, no it's very difficult. We can't yeah. sell it. We, we can donate it. Mm-hmm. We can donate it or pass it on to family. But I know I was trying to pawn some of that stuff off on my daughter, and yeah. she's like, "Yeah, no, I don't want mm-hmm. your fancy crystal glasses or your yeah." China. So have your girlfriends over. Have a nice crystal exactly. And put hot dogs on it. Who cares? I know. Absolutely. It's like, enjoy it because why not? And I finally, 
got rid of some of the crystal, which it was, it killed me to do it, but mm-hmm. they were little wine glasses. They were, it was a Waterford um, and I loved it, but they were yeah. little, the, the pour was so small. Little cordials <laughs> or something, whatever they are. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like, ah, my gla- my wine glass is much bigger than that. <laughs> So finally let that go, but it, all right. this moving helped. These, um, you were making all these intentional decisions. You had to think about it. Like, yes. do, really, do I, do I really need it? And if it's yes, then you put it back on your shelf mm-hmm. and you use it the next day. And if it breaks, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, but those are, they're tough decisions and, and holding on to stuff, which is so hard. Like I held, oh, even like going back to like not getting pregnant, I held on to what my body couldn't do. Mm. Well, my body couldn't do it. Why am I still holding on to that, to that guilt and to that shame around it? Yeah. Let it go. It's not serving you. It's mm-hmm. just not. Yeah. 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 And it's not easy. I'm not saying I, I, I talk a lot about you know, like the Nike swoosh. Just do it. Well, a lot of people can't just do something. Mm-hmm. can't just get rid of anything or just stop eating or just go for a run. Like it takes some getting, you know, getting ready and preparing yourself. And, and having the support. And all mm-hmm. of that. Yeah. Exactly. And that's what we we do too, just like you with your clients. Like we're there as a friend, a sister, a cousin, a daughter, just to talk things through and to brainstorm and create a plan. So you, now you have this thriving business, mm-hmm. the organizing mentors. Yeah. And, and her tagline is reclaim your space mentally and physically. Yeah. So, Lisa, if someone is ready, or even just wants to talk to you first. Yeah. So what's yeah. the best way for someone to to get in touch with you? Well, I'm I'm on Facebook, which is easy. I'm also on uh, my website, theorganizingmentors.com with an S. It's a long one, but it's a good one. And you can set up a call right on there. I think there's a consultation. And if they mention uh, Jennifer Seven, I'll give them a free consultation for sure. Absolutely. And would love to also mention the name of my book because it's it's not what you'd expect. It's not really an organizing title. It's called 17 Spatulas and the Man Who Fried an Egg. Okay, explain that. You told me, but explain <laughs> what that title okay. means. And we're still looking for a tagline. Actually, like this morning, I had a, I had a, I had a, team, I had a team meeting with my marketing team, my editor, and my publisher, because I need a tagline for that, because that doesn't explain holding on to stuff, right? Uh-huh. Um, it's like, are you, is it a cookbook, Lisa? Like, right. What? What? <laughs> and if everybody who knows me knows I don't cook. So, I mean, I can fry an egg. So that's, you yeah. know, it's about the best. But so when I was going through it, two of the main stories, and I think the people that I learned the most from, from myself and how, and, and why we hold on to stuff were two specific clients, one, and I've changed all the names and all the names of the characters in my book, the clients in my book are all names of someone in my family, in my immediate family. Oh, so I love that. All the names. So <laughs> uh, the 17 spatulas lady, her name is Alice. And that was my mom's name. It is my mom's name. Still mm-hmm. my mom's name. And I learned from her. So, so real quick, when I exaggerate, I always say, oh, I, it, it took me 17 minutes to do this, or I have 17 books to read, or I, I don't know, 17 is just my go-to That's number. your number. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And there That's was a funny. Time, I know, it's just it's 17, I don't know. And so there was a there was a woman who I met who had 17 spatulas. Seventeen. I mean, that's a lot of steps. That's a did, lot. Did of she steps. like to cook? Or was she a cook? She loved to cook. 
Okay. That was, that was her thing. And she loved cooking so much. Like that was her, that was her gift to her family and she loved it. And you'll have to read in the book, but the whole point was she had a reason for each spatula. Oh, okay. And sure. you know, every, it, it, they had a, they had, a, and my mom was the same way. My grandmother's the same, like every had a purpose, every spatula, you know, had a purpose. And, and what I learned from her was it doesn't matter what something looks like, as long as you love it. And it feels good for you. You know, you can buy some newfangled spatula, but it's not the same. Mm-hmm. How holding on to stuff isn't about something looking good or working for you. It has to work for the person who who's holding on to it. Like those little cordial glasses. They mm-hmm. can work for you. Right. You know, they were beautiful. They were waterproof. Oh, my gosh. Why would you get rid of that? Mm-hmm. They didn't work for me. Right. So that was that's Alice. And that's the, the 17 spatulas. And then there was a gentleman who I you worked with, who is it, the the man I said um, I walked in his house and I was overwhelmed. Okay. So the first time I was really overwhelmed in a project, and I worked with him I think eight months, probably about five five to ten hours a week for eight months, every week, and um, we had holidays and you know this and that every once in a while. But that's a lot of time. It that's was a lot. lot. He had overcome a lot. He had gone through a divorce. His dog died. He, I mean, it was, it was a lot. His, his, there was a path through his house. He had a townhouse path to the basement, path to the kitchen. You couldn't go upstairs. Did he live alone? He lived alone. Okay. Yeah. And wonderful man. And what I learned from him was extraordinary. uh, You have to read the book, but. But what I learned from him was you can't help someone until you help yourself. And he, I was honored enough to be able to help him and for him to let me in his life because he trusted me. And that takes a lot. I mean, I always say, I say that to most of my clients, like I am humbled and honored that you're letting us work with you. Because it's, it's, it's like, right. It's like your clients. They, I mean, we see them not literally, but we see them naked, like all their fears, all their history, all their obsession, all their whatever. So to let us in to that world is truly like, it's humble. It's really an honor. And so that's the man who fried an egg. Yeah. And you'll have to read the story because I can't wait. Can't give it away. (laughs) Don't give it away. So, Lisa, what is this? What do you think this book is going to be out? Well, we were talking about it today, and we were hoping for May first. There's just a lot of moving parts. I'm hoping for spring. Hoping for spring. But if you're on my Facebook, join my Facebook group, and I have uh, private the organizing mentors group. So, if you want to be on that, just look up that, and um, I'm putting a lot of that info out on there. So, anyone can Um, be in your group. Yeah. The the Facebook page, anybody can join, but I have a kind of a private, the organizing mentors group. But if you want to become a member, just ask, you know, to become a member of that. The Facebook page is more, well, we post all the time, but I think we're going to start posting a lot more on the group now that we've had our meeting and we're trying to really get the the excitement around it because Mm -hmm. I think it's going to be wonderful. And I think it's a universal thing that people just hold on to stuff mentally and physically. So I'm really proud of it, and I'm amazed that I actually got it out. And um, I can't wait I, I, to say. I, yeah, yeah, I think we're going to have to have you come back, and we'll do okay. another chat once the oh, book I'd is out. To. That would be great fun, right. and maybe maybe in that podcast we can really talk about some of these stories of yeah. 
your clients, because I'm sure that there are many listeners that could relate and could, it it could inspire them to perhaps start to make some changes. I'm hoping so. Mm -hmm. And to, again, take away the stigma of, of guilt and fear. Of stuff. (laughs) Yeah. Like literally of stuff. And Mm -hmm. why do we hold on and just being the big takeaway is you like anything you have to acknowledge what it is that you're holding on to, Mm -hmm. you know, like the guilt around not getting pregnant. Like I had to acknowledge that I'm feeling this before I could cleanse myself of it or get over it or hold on to it. Sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes you want to dirty it's, diapers and hold on the, to it. Making the choice. You're making yeah. the choice. You're being intentional yeah. about it. And and with my weight loss clients, I say that too. It's like, mm-hmm. if you choose to eat it, that's okay. But let's make it a choice. Yeah. Let's not and eat, enjoy and, it. And enjoy it. And don't make right. it an unconscious choice. Make it a conscious mm-hmm. choice. If you're going to eat the candy bar, give yourself permission. Enjoy yeah. every bite. And that's okay. As long as you're being mindful about it or, or like you said, intentional about it. And, a lot of people and, don't want to be aware. They don't want to be aware because mm-hmm. once, and myself included, I'm not saying anything that I haven't gone through and gone through myself and realized myself. Sometimes I hate that I'm aware of things because then I have to make a choice. <laughs> right. right? Like, I had to make a choice about eating that candy oh. bar. <laughs> oh, why didn't I just eat it? Why didn't I just throw it in my mouth? Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. So true. So, so true. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. The organizingmentors.com. Yeah. Here's your website. And then the organizing mentors on Facebook and Uh then private group. Is it the same name, but it's just. Yeah. The organizing mentors group. So Mm -hmm. you can, it's, you know, it's a private group. I just have to allow you in it. But you know, if you want to join, of course we want, but it's not just, it's just not something you can find online. The organizing mentors Facebook page. You can. Gotcha. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So lots of different outlets too. Yeah. I'm on Instagram. I think it's just the orgment or it's a weird one but okay. you can find you can put in the organizing mentors on instagram um we're not really a pinterest kind of place mm-hmm. and even on instagram like i said i think i said earlier like uh, i'm not all about perfect pictures because that's <laughs> those aren't my clients mm-hmm. they're, they're just not attracted to me they yeah want, and i know lisa want... that you'll get on facebook every once in a while and you'll do a uh, facebook live and you'll do a talk and you'll give some yeah. tips about switching from winter to spring or spring yeah. to yeah to fall or spring to summer in your closet mm-hmm. and so very helpful things that you might not think about but it's really a, a good idea yeah. a lot of really great ideas yeah right. so just to remind our listeners that uh, lisa is willing to do a free consultation for you uh, it's a 200 dollars value you could put in uh that you listen to the unbreakable spirit mm-hmm. podcast oh. or jennifer seven whatever works for you and she will be more than happy to get you started mm-hmm. With her little system, yes. which I love. <laughs> love that. So thank you, Lisa. Thank you so much for being here and sharing your story. And it's really amazing stuff. And I, I'm so glad we got to talk about it. And I know we're going to have to have you back when that book comes. Oh, so we're looking forward to that. And I'm very excited for you with the new podcast, too. Because I think it's, you. it's very you. well needed. And I'm glad that you just took it upon yourself. Okay, let's do it. Let's I just feel it. like... However, we can help women or men, uh, yeah, you know, by, yeah. by sharing our stories right. and that you can get through stuff. Mm-hmm. That's another mm-hmm. stuff. <laughs> right? Stuff about your stuff isn't about yep. your stuff. Exactly. All right. Well, you have a wonderful day and thank okay, you. Okay, you too. Okay, bye. bye, everybody. Thank you for joining us on Unbreakable Spirit. 
To learn more about Jennifer and her holistic weight loss approach, visit her website at 7company.com. That's the number 7company.com. And please join us for our next episode where we'll hear from more women who overcame hardship and learned how to thrive.